0: today on stick to football a fun show for everybody we got zach moss a punishing running back from utah and connor and i are going to do something different today we're going to give you a mock draft, but not what we're hearing, what we would do as the general manager of each team. It's going to be a ton of fun. I can't wait. And uh, it's, it was nice having a little break on Monday. Not
2: going to lie. I know. A, so a nice. rare a rare break for us. But surprisingly, Matt, of course we take a day off. And a lot seems to go on around the NFL. So let's just start with the biggest thing that kind of rocked the draft world over these last couple of days. There was a report that, the Dolphins are not as high on Tua as a lot of people believe, and that they've actually been doing a lot of work on Justin Herbert. I think if you listen to this show, that wouldn't surprise you because right. we've been talking about the Dolphins and Herbert, not just this year, but in the previous draft class when we thought Herbert was going to declare. So, Matt, when this dropped, what was your take on the entire situation?
0: So, honestly, my first thought was this is a little early for this news to come out. And I think any time... Uh, a rumor comes out or even I've even said anytime a rumor is told to me, I try to look at it from both sides who benefits from this news coming out so I could see the Dolphins honestly liking Justin Herbert. Like you said, Connor, I- I've been saying this for like two years that they've done a ton of work on him. That would not be a surprise. Now, the Dolphins also stand again by coming out now and saying, we don't think two is that good. You do a couple things there. You potentially drive down his market by saying, eh, we sit at five. We don't think Tua is that good. That could cause doubt from some other GMs. It could drop his stock. If you're the Dolphins and you like Tua, that's what you're going to say. You're going to come out yep. before the combine and be like, yeah, man, we don't, even, we don't think he's that good. We're not going to trade up for him. We don't think he's that good. And what you do there is, we all assume the Lions at three are trying to trade out of that spot. The best way to decrease the value of that trade is to say, Players not that good. We saw this as funny. The 2017 draft, we've been talking about it a lot because of Mahomes and Watson. It's funny to go back now and look at some of the things that like Brett Veach and Andy Reid and John Dorsey were saying about Mahomes. It's like, we'll probably trade up for a linebacker. You know, like oh, we don't we, we don't these quarterbacks aren't that good. And obviously they wanted a quarterback. They were trying to drive down the market of those guys. So I think with the Dolphins, um, I know the reporter Armando Sagero is highly respected. He's a very good reporter. But I do think teams are wise about how to in you know inflate or deflate the value of a player. This is one way to do it. And I'll tell you something. Uh, I was driving this morning, had to take my my son to school, and that's when I do a lot of my phone calls. And on the way home, I was I, I talked to a, a player personnel guy. They think three quarterbacks are gonna go in the top five when it's all said and done with trades. So even if Miami doesn't like TuA, someone will. Detroit could draft him at two. So, or excuse me, at three. So there's enough uh, like out there for Tua unless the medicals are just completely bombed when we get to the combine, which is something we talked about on the Friday show, then then it, it he could fall. But I think the Dolphins are being pretty smart here.
2: And I think Armando's been there long enough that he probably heard what we were hearing during the 2018 season, that Chris Greer, who is still there and is the GM of the team, Let's be real. This was a team that they were all over Justin Herbert during that season. So maybe the interest uh, to land him never went away. We just got mixed up in the fact that Tua uh, appeared on the map here for them, and they might have liked him as well. So – I'm with you, Matt. There's a lot of different directions this thing can go. The problem is, if the Dolphins want to kind of play that game and really do like Tua, it might not matter in the end because I simply think there's going to be a lot of teams behind them that will gladly trade up for Tua, and they won't play this game. So... You can do it when teams are more skeptical. A lot of teams were skeptical on Mahomes. A lot of teams were skeptical on Deshaun Watson. I think barring health concerns, which are significant, I don't think teams are skeptical on Tua from a, a traits perspective as a pro prospect. Yeah, I agree. Injury is the biggest thing, and it is it is big. So that that will
0: be out there. One team that will be in trade talks a lot, the Detroit Lions at number 3 overall, came over the weekend. They are at least talking about trading Darius Slay, who I think has always been one of the more underrated corners in the NFL, and a really, really good one, especially if you're in a defense that wants to play man coverage. Darius Slay is going to be very good for you. He's under contract for one more year at $10 million. He's 29 years old. Just turned 29 January 1st, actually. So I think if you look at teams, we've talked a lot about Mello's team, the Chiefs, my team, the Niners, hell, your team, the Jets. A lot of teams out there that have a need for corners. And Darius Slay, who could probably be had for a day two pick, that's a really good return on investment for a short window. So these teams that are picking late in the round, especially like late round two, early round three, I think it's I would be pretty interested in making a call on Darius Slay, who, again, is probably for one year, It's a short-term window, but like we saw, I mean, we saw the Niners trade for Emmanuel Sanders, who's now a free agent. We saw uh, D. Ford probably going to be cut after this year. We've seen the Rams do this a lot, trading for Dante Fowler, who was then a free agent. They traded for Sammy Watkins, who was a free agent. So we've seen teams do this a lot in the past. Um, Adam Schefter said there's multiple teams, and any team that
2: trades for Slay would likely have to give him a new deal. Yeah, the good thing about Slay, he's a really good corner. He's a good player at a premium position. The bad thing about Slay is that he's now 29 years old. We've seen what happens to corners when they get to that 30-year kind of gap, and I know Richard Sherman's a little different, but Xavier Rhodes ain't even there yet, and he can't run anymore. Revis absolutely fell off a cliff, so a lot of guys start to decline at corner when they get to 30. And the other thing is, Matt – you probably got to pay the guy $15 million a year. We're looking at a free agency period where James Bradbury is probably going to get 12 <laughs> to $14 million right. a year. So what does that make Darius Slay worth? That's the issue with all this. So I think the teams that will be interested are – Teams that are ready to win but also have left themselves with a lot of cap flexibility where you can go get a premium player for a second, I think a third-round pick's pretty light, but once again, the contract expectations that come with acquiring him definitely decrease the value for the Lions. And once again, Matt, are we going to have a conversation about this Lions team running (laughs) out all their good players? Because at some point, you can only do this for so long before you're sitting there, you have no talent. And I don't really know, you know what Matt Patricia has done to warrant these kind of moves. It goes back to what I say about my team all the time with Adam Gase running out talented players. It feels very similar with Matt Patricia so far. It really does. I mean, the Quandre Diggs
0: trade is just its one of That's those the things... That's the one I go back to. We still can't figure it out. It's amazing that they've held on to Kenny Galladay who's a really good player and probably has exceptional value. Um, and, and we've talked before about Matt Stafford. They really just can't trade him right now because the contract. Uh, another player who's going to be on the move at the corner position. And I think teams that don't get slay will probably be calling Chris Harris Jr., who has said over the weekend that moving on from the Broncos seems like the right direction. That could obviously change once contracts uh, talks start really in about two weeks of the combine is when all that's going to happen. I think for Chris Harris, who again, a a guy who's a little bit older, but has been so good for Denver and he's done a lot of different things. He's played slot. Where I remember Pro Football Focus first started and Chris Harris was always like the top ranked corner because how good he was in the slot. He will turn 31 years old in June. So a little bit old. But the way he plays, I feel like we haven't seen like the athleticism drop off from him. And he's so good with technique, a lot like your guy Revis, where he can play a little bit longer because it's not just pure speed. He played football at KU. He's from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I don't I know that location doesn't always matter. But two teams that are in that region, the Dallas Cowboys, the Kansas City Chiefs, could both use a guy like this immediately. Now, with the Chiefs, money's obviously going to be an issue. He's not going to get $15 million a year, most likely, from Kansas City. But I would think that he's got to look at those teams, man, where instead of having to stop Mahomes twice a year, you're on his team. And if you go to Dallas where they're gonna lose Byron Jones to free agency, you gotta feel like that you got a pretty good shot to win a Super Bowl within the next couple of years, which yeah, we've had Chris on this podcast before. He's an amazing guy. That's really the only thing missing uh from him, you know, here. Obviously got one with when with Peyton came through there, but what, if he could get another one at the end here, I think we're talking about like such a great run for a guy
2: who was an undrafted free agent out of Kansas. An unbelievable career so far for Chris Harris Jr. At one of the more... You know, one of the most impressive undrafted careers that we have seen. And like you said, we've had him on this show. He was one of my favorite guests. Just talking to him, you understand why he's had so much success for such a long time wherever he goes. And I do think you bring up a good point. Now, the Cowboys at face value have a ton of cap space. How much cap space are they going to have after they sign their franchise quarterback, their number one wide receiver? And if they do go after a corner, they should retain their own guy and Byron Jones, who's younger and has had so much success there. So for Chris Harris Jr., I'm fascinated to see which route he goes, Matt. That's what it comes down to for me. Does he go the route where he says, you know what, I'll take a lower-than-market-value deal to go chase another Super Bowl and finish my career on a, a higher note with maybe a more prestigious franchise? Or do I want to cash out one more time? So, and when you look at what Chris Harris Jr. has done, let's not forget, Matt, he took an extremely team friendly deal in Denver rather than hitting the open market on free agency because he didn't want to risk that injury factor again. That contract extension really had him at cap numbers between nine and 10 million. That's not a lot of money for a corner the caliber of Chris Harris Jr. Right now, he can at 31 years old, going into a season where he'll be 31, he can exceed that number. There are teams out there that will give him $12 million a year. Now, the guarantees will be up front in the first two years of the deal, but the bottom line is he does have an opportunity, if he wants to, to get a big payday one more time.
0: Yeah, it's going to be – I think Chris is going to be smart about this. He's going to go somewhere – where he can be an immediate fit. Obviously, you know, they're going to, ru- he's going to ask the questions. Hey, what type of defense are you running? Because maybe he wasn't a great fit with what Vic Fangio brought in there. I think we could even see him get back to the slot and, and be really impactful. We were going to talk about Phil Rivers, but we've kind of exhausted that. I do want to say our guy, Tony Jefferson, got cut over the weekend. Uh, maybe this I, it might have been a Friday news dump. The Ravens cut Tony Jefferson after they signed Chuck Clark to an extension. Tony uh, was injured, which is the downside of this. You know, we talked to Kenny Vaccaro about this a lot. The safety market that one year was down. Wishing the best for our guy. He's been a great interview on here. We love interacting with him. So I think we will be watching my team. The Niners hopefully have some interest in Tony Jefferson uh, when it's all said and done. He almost signed with your Jets back in the day when he was a free agent. Uh, you guys don't need a safety anymore, but uh, no. I think the market for Tony is going to be good.
2: Yeah, I'll say this. Tony's going to be just fine after coming off a really, really nice stint with the Baltimore Ravens. And, uh, you know, we're wishing him luck not only finding his new team, but finishing up his rehab and getting ready for the season. I wouldn't be surprised, Matt, if he's on the comeback player of the year radar for us before the season kicks off.
0: Yeah, I think so. let Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to give you a little mock draft Wednesday and they're closing the show today with our guy Zach Moss. We told you guys we were doing something different this week with the mock drafts and we are. This is what we would do as the general manager of each team. Connor's taking the odds. I'm taking the evens and you are up number one the Cincinnati
2: Bengals. I imagine... This is the easiest pick you've probably ever made in a mock draft. It's easy for me sitting here picking for the Bengals. I don't know if it's easy for the guy I'm calling up to the stage. I'm taking Joe Burrow first overall. Listen. Will he come to the stage? I <laughs> I know, and I understand. If you're a Bengals fan and this seems like a, a sensitive subject, I totally understand. And I'm not ringing the panic alarm yet. But I will say Joe Burrow has now had countless opportunities in interviews to just give a simple, if the Bengals draft me, I would love to go play there. And he has passed that opportunity every time. And if he doesn't want to do that, that's fine. He doesn't have to say that. Leave all options on the table. But I'm just saying, Matt, and I click on the links. I don't just read the headlines of the snippets of the quote because I don't want Joe to ever be misquoted. It's just getting a little, a little interesting. It is. And our guy Mello keeps saying, that he like he thinks there's
0: something to this, you know, because and that's what he said on the Friday show. Like, hey, he could just come out and say, uh, "I'm I'm okay if they draft me, I'm fine with it." So this morning I read where Joe said they have the first pick, but I have all the leverage, and that they had not had a conversation yet about if he wanted to go there. That basically. You got two months. So Joe is the easy picker at number 1 overall. He's the best quarterback in the draft. He's the number 2 player on my board. I think anyone who listens to this knows. Big Joe Burrow fan right here. I have no idea where he is at. And I I wrote in my scouting notebook that came out Friday morning that they want him. They have signaled that they (laughs) want him. But I think it's just a matter of, is he going to go when it's time? And like you said, we understand that Bengals fans don't want to hear this, and we are not trying to pile on you guys, but there's something to this that he hasn't just come out and said, yeah, I want to be there. If they draft me, it'll be an honor to go back to my home state to represent Southeast Ohio and be a Cincinnati Bengal. He hasn't said that, and I think that is interesting. Now, at number two overall, I have what is probably the second easiest pick ever because the Washington Redskins should draft Chase Young If I were GM, they would draft Chase Young, unless Joe Burrow's on the board, in which case I would draft Joe Burrow and trade Dwayne Haskins immediately. But uh, if uh, if Joe's gone number one, Chase Young is, again, I think we've overthought this player. He is rare in terms of his get-off, his quickness, his understanding of how to use his body and his speed. I saw a quote, and I wish I could remember who said it. Somebody said that he had, like, slowed down after his suspension. It's just ridiculous. That is nonsensical. If you actually watched him play, he was being constantly doubled and tripled from the moment he came back against Penn State until Ohio State season ended. So I'm a huge Chase Young fan. I don't know yet where everyone always wants to know, where is he going to rank for you all time as a a pass rusher? I don't know yet. I, I think he's a lot like Miles Garrett for me. I don't, I don't think that would be higher than Nick Bosa, but he's way, way up there in the Redskins to be really fortunate to have. Him.
2: Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Um, it's just, it's kind of simple there. Now, I'll say this, Matt, you know, kind of uh, transitioning to the next pick here. Jeff Okuda is extremely, extremely impressive. And I think that getting the pass rusher is just a little bit more important than the premium corner. But I will I say just on grades... Not positional or positional value, Akuda is just really close to Chase Young. That's how good he is. It's not a knock on Chase Young. Akuda is just phenomenal, and that's why at number three I have him going to the Lions. Now, if we're and we're gonna do trades once we get to that, the Lions probably should trade this pick. You just you need the draft capital. You're rebuilding. A lot of teams that are up here that aren't looking for a quarterback should look to trade. Chase Young is gone. Somebody will want to come up, whether it's for Tua or Justin Herbert, but if I'm not moving The pick is very, very easy if I'm the Lions GM, and that is Jeff Akuda, He could do everything, whether it's press man coverage, whether you – and now I will say he's better in man coverage than zone, but I truly believe with his traits, the length, the speed, the click and close, uh, the ability to play the ball in the air, Akuda can really flourish in any kind of scheme and be your number one corner.
0: And that is a huge need for them.
2: Especially if they trade Slay. Gigantic. And if you don't, you, you still need a corner exactly so yeah
0: big need for them I, I think that makes the most sense number four the New York Giants we have had a lot of conversations about where this sh- could go where it should go in my opinion Jedrick Wills the left right tackle from Alabama I would plug him in a left tackle figure out whatever you want to do with Nate Solder whether it's move him to right tackle cut him trade him get him out of there Jedrick Wills to me is the top tackle in this class and I I tweeted about this a little bit Tuesday morning it's surprising to me when you talk to folks in the NFL how different they are all in the offensive tackles. I think it's Wills, and then you could maybe have a conversation. But I think he is head his shoulders the best tackle in this draft. I know that drafting a left tackle or, or an offensive lineman in general is not the sexiest pick. Even guys like Laramie Tunsell and Ronnie Stanley, who have become all-pro players— you can look back at those drafts and no one talks about how good of a pick Ronnie Stanley was for Baltimore because we talk about Mahomes and Watson and Joey Bosa. Those are really good foundational type picks. And when you have a quarterback that you like and you have a great running back and you have some receivers, for me, this is the way to go. Other than Chase Young or Jeff Okuda, I think Jedrick Wills has to be the pick for the
2: Giants. Yeah, once again, I'm not going to disagree with you. I know some Giants fans will, but I would try to not only – this is a two-for-one win here, Matt. You're protecting Daniel Jones, who every time he got hit last year coughed up the football, and you're opening (laughs) up running lanes for a running back. You used a number 2 overall pick on – Number two overall, right. like I don't want 1,000 yards from Saquon Barkley. I want sixteen to 1,700 rushing yards. And I look at Wills. Once again, I'm with you. He's in his own tier, and I love Tristan Wirfs. I, I like what Andrew Thomas and Mekhi Becton can do to an offensive line in terms of upgrading those units and pass pro in the run game. But Wills is in his own tier there. Number five, the Miami Dolphins. Tua falls right into their lap. We're going to say it every single time. It's it's barring medicals and if you believe Tua can stay healthy, I think when he was healthy Tua was the most talented quarterback in this class. I love the fit in Miami. I really like that. Listen, if you don't want to rush him back, you don't have to. You got the Fitz magic there. Still one more year under contract. He's ready to come in and play another year there in Miami. So, this is an easy no-brainer at number 5. It's Tua. It
0: is. If he's healthy, um he should go earlier than this just with trades like you said. Obviously. Number 6, the Los Angeles Chargers. In the mock drafts that we do, based on what we hear, we almost always have a quarterback go here, whether it was Tua Falling or Justin Herbert Rising. I'm not going that direction. If I'm the LA Chargers, I find a way to get Cam Newton, and I roll out there with Cam and Tyrod and Easton Stick and say, this is good enough for right now. You don't have to trade number 60 at Cam Newton, by the way. So with the number 6 pick, I'm going to look at Kansas City, San Francisco, Philadelphia, some of the great defenses that we saw late this year, especially, and focus on the D-line. You already have Nick Bosa, or Joey Bosa, excuse me, who's amazing. You already have Melvin Ingram. What you really don't have is someone in the middle of this defense, and I know they've spit picks trying to make this happen. I would draft Derek Brown. And I, that's not like the most, oh my God, this is a great pick. It's going to be... Plug him in right away. I know they drafted Jerry Tillery last year in the first round. But if you could put Derek Brown, he could play nose. He could play shade. He can kick inside as a three technique. So between Justin Jones and Jerry Tillery, those are solid players. Derek Brown is one of the four or five best players in this draft class. And I think in most drafts, he would have been the top D tackle available. So again, not the sexiest pick, but I don't value a left tackle here. So not going to reach on one of those. And I think Derek Brown is just so good. He and Isaiah Simmons are the two guys where I almost feel like they're just so talented. You kind of forget team needs and just go, this is the best player on the board. You're this good. We will find a spot for you. If you could have Bosa, Derek Brown, and Melvin Ingram as your core pass rush group, I mean, that's that's pretty fucking tough.
2: Yeah, I can't hate on that at all. I mean, this is someone who was drawing double teams against the best offenses in the country in the SEC. That's yeah. how good Derrick Brown was. You go back to the LSU tape, they were looking to double team this guy to take him out up front. He's a game changer. And I'll say this, I love Javon Kinlaw, and I love Derrick Brown, and I do think they're close to each other. I think Brown is technically a little further ahead than Kinlaw he just does the little things right you can often see Thanks, it too. so I, he's somebody that can wreck the game both as a pass rusher and as a run defender and like you said all that attention he draws up front number seven the Carolina Panthers not going to panic and take a quarterback here but will take a quarterback's best friend and that is my number two offensive lineman in this draft I believe you agree with that Matt and Tristan Wirfs from Iowa I think Wirfs can play right tackle. I think he could be a very good guard. What he does at the second level of the football field can change run games. And when he gets his hands on you – It's over. It's as simple as that. And and the track record of Iowa offensive lineman, Worf's is next in line. He's got that kind of not only mental makeup, but physical makeup. So for the Panthers, building a powerhouse unit in the trenches is something that Matt Rule is definitely going to want early on before their next quarterback even gets there. And that's what I would do, too. I I love, like you said, I love Worf's.
0: I I talk to a lot of people and say, hey, I think he's a guard. I think he's a tackle and I think he's a really good one. I think he'd probably be an all pro at guard. Number eight, the Arizona Cardinals. We saw them extend left tackle, GJ Humphreys, a three year deal over the weekend. That to me signifies they don't feel like they have to go tackle at number eight overall. I think what they should do, Larry Fitzgerald's back for one year. Jerry Judy's available here. And we talk about this with Chase Young and Jeff Akuda. Like we are overthinking these players because they've been good for two years. You're probably tired of hearing us talk about them. I would run to the freaking podium and draft Jerry Judy here. If you have your left tackle back, Kyler Murray is only going to get better in this offense, I believe. As he and Cliff Kingsbury get more on the same page, as Cliff dials up and changes things to work better at the NFL level, give him a dynamic player. I know we talk about Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk hasn't done anything. I think you have a future need at number one receiver. Get Jerry Judy in this offense. His speed, his burst, his body control, the way he comes out of routes would be so perfect for Cliff Kingsbury's offense. I think you have to take Judy if he's there.
2: Once again, that's what I would have done there at eight. I would have taken Judy. I just think he can be a 1,200 yard player in Cliff's offense with Kyler, maybe even more. But from day one, he'll come in and be a super productive number one wide receiver. I do know a lot of people, and I've been guilty of this as well with Arizona, have, you know, drawn the C.D. Lamb ties there with him and Kyler. But I think in terms of what Judy can do and how high his floor is, that would be the pick at eight. Number nine, the Jaguars. This is where I'm going to go with Isaiah Simmons. And, Matt, this is your same argument you had with Derrick Brown at six. You kind of overthink it a little bit at times. You start getting a little you know, particular with team needs and premium positions and all of that stuff. And then you overlook really, really good football players. And that's my situation here at 9 with Jacksonville. Isaiah Simmons is somebody that can play linebacker for them. He can blitz. He can cover. He's a do-it-all Swiss Army knife on the defense that can take this unit to the next level. And, and listen, they've lost a really key player there in Jalen Ramsey. We don't know what's going to happen up front with their pass and Yannick Ngakwe so with Simmons this is a superstar talent plugged right in the middle of the Jacksonville front it makes so much sense Telvin
0: Smith we don't think he's ever coming back Isaiah Simmons I think could be an upgrade at that spot it puts you back in a position where Miles Jack can do what he does best I I love that for Jacksonville number 10 the Cleveland Browns who knows what this team's going to do I think predicting the Browns will be very difficult what they should do though draft an offensive tackle to protect Baker Mayfield, to allow this downfield passing game to flourish because it it could not with the line they had last year. Kevin Stefanski, we saw it in Minnesota. He can get by without a great offensive line, but this one is really, really bad at tackle. Mekhi Becton, say what you will about his ranking. I have him in the 20s. We know tackles tend to rise up the board. I think Becton's going to dominate the combine, and we're all going to see why Daniel Jeremiah put him at number 4 overall in that senior ball mock draft that kind of rocked the world. I don't love Becton. I don't love Beckton's tape. Let me say that. I think his potential is astronomically good. And he's working with the right guy in Duke Mannyweather to fix the flaws in his game. So when I evaluate Becton, that's the, the trouble for me. What I saw at Louisville versus what I think he can be. Guys like that, and we've said this before, that's where your boom or bust come into play because it's not what you are, it's what you could be. I think Becton is... He's a, an exceptional ball of clay that could be dialed into a, a great left tackle, but there is a little bit of risk here. I think the Browns can take that risk because this offense is really a left tackle away from being very explosive.
2: Matt, do you think with Beckton people on Twitter are falling a little bit for the, the knockout highlights? Like a great fighter— and Like, rest in peace, yeah. Kimbo Slice. But Kimbo Slice was the king of, you post a 12-second clip and you go, wow, that's the greatest knockout I've ever seen. And then you put him yeah. in the cage and he, he couldn't fight anyone, it felt like at times. And, and you know, no disrespect to Kimbo. But, and I'm not saying Becton is going to fail in the NFL. I'm just saying he's being developed right now into a rounded-out player. And the knockout shots are incredible. And I do think he's much more athletic than I ever expected for his size as a pass protector, a nimble feat for someone that's 6'7", 365. But don't you feel like sometimes we fall for the the couple of highlights and you go, man, he probably does that every play, and I think we're just not there yet. It's funny, Melo and I were having this exact
0: conversation Sunday night, and I said, you know, there are times he reminds me of Greg Robinson, who coming out had the same deal. He had so many knockout shots playing left tackle, and we were like, this is the future of offensive tackle play. And we kind of forgot that he didn't do the little things well. I like that Beckton is working to get that fixed, but you're absolutely right. It is like it's like watching a guy be a great dunker and then it's like, but can he actually play basketball? Yes. So I think with Beckton, the knockouts are there, the pancakes are amazing. If he gets his hands on you, day's over. I want to see the the clips where he doesn't get hands on people because uh, there are there are quite a few of those. Yeah. And again, not to knock a guy, it might sound like we're being overly harsh on Beckton, Just trying to explain the discrepancy between where he is. You know, even here, I took him at number ten overall.
2: He's ranked at like twenty three for me. It's a pretty big discrepancy. The potential is just enormous. I was just gonna say it's it's no disrespect. You took him in the top ten, so Becton is an extremely valued. Uh, Player And I think Duke is going to do great work getting him ready, not only for the combine, but beyond that. But once again, I think it's just making the audience aware that uh, are you getting a franchise tackle from day one? Maybe not yet. It's going to take a little bit of time, but the ceiling is so high with him. Number 11, the New York Jets. They're another team that needs offensive line. Jerry Judy is off the board, so I can't take him. I'm going with Andrew Thomas from Georgia here. What I love about Thomas is not only how tough he is in the run game, but I love how smart he is. And something the Jets really, really struggled with last year. And this was something Adam Gase's units in Miami struggled with for a couple years. They can't pick up a stunt to save their lives. And it put Sam Darnold on the ground time and time again. And I actually think Thomas's underrated best quality is how well he did that at Georgia for Jake Fromm. I think his IQ and awareness around him made up for times him playing high or him not moving as well as you'd like in pass pro, because he always knows where to be. He has such a good field awareness of when to run guys out, whether to drive guys back. So I, I love Thomas's IQ, and I would gladly take him at 11 to upgrade this Jets offensive line, whether you want to play him at left tackle, right tackle. I-, I don't think they'll be fortunate enough to have the luxury to ever play him at guard. Yeah,
0: probably not. I, I think I, I feel like that's another guy who's being overthought a little bit because he doesn't look the part, but he played the part in the SEC, which is, is pretty hard to a do. A lot
2: of people ask me, they take both of us in this. They say, What happened to Andrew Thomas? What caused his fall? I don't think this is a fall at all. I think this is right where we had him preseason, but other guys it's with Becton, it's his ceiling. With Wills, it's oh he was an underclassman that just Really was phenomenal this year, and same could be said with Wurfs. Guys just rose ahead of him, but that doesn't really change the kind of player he is and can be.
0: Yeah, big fan of him. I'm going to take 12. The Las Vegas Raiders, the guy that I thought you were going to take, C.D. Lamb. I would be running to the the freaking desk with or swimming to the stage with a card <laughs> in my hands to slam this one down because CeeDee Lamb is what they need. And I know some Raiders fans are going to say, well, yeah, but we need sp- we need speed." You do but you also need a possession receiver and CD's not going to run well, but he is so physical. What he does after the catch is still special without having elite top in speed.
2: So CD lamb for me is such an easy pick here. Yeah, it really is. I think the Raiders fans would absolutely love that one in what's going to be a really exciting first round for them. 13. Sorry, Colts fans. I know you're probably hoping for Jordan love. I would not make that pick. I'm going to go Henry rugs here instead. Now, this could be flipped completely upside down if what Melvin Gordon says comes true, that he thinks Philip Rivers ends up with the Colts, and they don't really go into this trap looking for a quarterback because then they'd have they'd have Brissett under the cap unless they trade him. They'd have Rivers on the cap, and they'd just be kicking the can down the road at quarterback. Listen, if you do that, you need really good players around him. And I think Henry Ruggs is a really, really good player. The Colts have the capital to move up for one of the top tackles. Say Anthony Costanzo does retire, then they would have to think about that. But in this draft, they stayed here and they get Ruggs, who he changes the game when the ball's not coming his way. The way you have to sit on your heels as a defense with Ruggs out there is the same thing the teams have to do when they play Tyreek Hill and the Chiefs. So I love what Ruggs brings to not only the Colts passing attack, but also their run game for our guy and friend of the show, Marlon Mack.
0: What is your thinking here with the quarterback? Are you thinking that it will be Phillip Rivers? You okay with Jacoby Brissett? Because I think a lot of people are going to want to, like Justin Herberts on the board.
2: Yeah, well, I would not bet the house on Justin Herbert number one if I'm the Colts, and number two, <laughs> that cap hit for Jacoby Brissett is no laugher. I just want to make that clear. Right. Like, you're not gonna if you take Herbert or Love, I guess you would sit them and play Brissett. But I'm comfortable with going into this year. With Brissett and positioning myself for next year's quarterback class. I just I'll say it. If I'm in the GM chair, I'm being selective. And in the top 15, I'm not taking Herbert or Love as my the future of the franchise. I'm just not comfortable doing it. And it's it's a personal opinion with me, and maybe it's some will say it's drafting scared. But for the Colts, I like their roster a lot. I don't think Jacoby Brissett is as bad as every single fan apparently thinks so, where I like him for at least one more year and looking at next year's quarterback class where nobody stacks draft capital better than Chris Ballard, in my opinion. And I think if they want one of those quarterbacks next year, they can position themselves to do so. That was one of those things where, like, I knew your answer. Yeah, I just no, you're right. All our listeners. No, to know I'm glad your answer, you did because you know, Twitter would have been pretty ugly for me on a yeah. fine Wednesday if I didn't explain myself. Right, I got you back on that one. So I'll take Justin Herbert at
0: 14 because, and I'm not not a huge Herbert guy. Uh, I have been really torn on Herbert versus Love because they both have things that I like. They both have things that I don't like, and so I get torn on this. I do think Justin Herbert would be a good fit for Bruce Arians' offense. The thing is. I don't think he could play right away in this offense, so there's a little bit of like the team building side of it that you would have to figure out. I do like Justin Herbert's arm, his ability to go vertical. I want to see who he can become away from Oregon where his receivers weren't good. It felt like he was not really allowed to run a lot, which is a strength to his game. I think Herbert would be good for Bruce Arians, and Honestly, this just comes down to me. Would you rather have Jameis Winston or Justin Herbert? And I would rather have Justin Herbert than Jameis Winston. So taking a little bit of a gamble
2: on the, the unknown here over what you already have. Man, I'd rather go take a nap than have either of those guys. <laughs> but, <laughs> right? No, I like the scheme fit a lot for Herbert. I'll say that here. I really, really like the scheme fit for here. If he went to the Bucks, I, I wouldn't be really harsh on grading that, especially since he fell all the way to 14 Uh, in this draft. But the one thing, you make a great point about him not really having any receivers, but he did have the best offensive line in college football. So at the end of the day, it all kind of starts to balance out a little bit. 15, the Denver Broncos. This is where Javon Kinlaw falls off the board. Man, he is just a wrecking ball, Matt. You watch him against Alabama. When you can move back linemen that play for Alabama, you can move back linemen that play in the NFL. And I think Kinlaw can do that exactly. And for the Broncos, they're kind of a team in the middle right now. We need to see more of Drew Locke to feel comfortable that he's the guy of the future. I thought he flashed really nicely. Uh, Love their receivers there. You know, love what Cortland Sutton can do for them. Uh, I think he's just been phenomenal. They have a couple of running backs there. Uh, I would have liked to add to the offensive line. There's no one really in this spot that I feel comfortable taking. So take one of the better players, if not the best player, on the board here, and that's Kinlaw. I I love Kinlaw, and he would be such a great fit in this defense uh, A
0: defense. I've studied back from the Justin Smith days. Like, if you want to know the fit for Javon Kinlaw, you look at Justin Smith, you look at DeForest Buckner, what those guys have done in San Francisco. Kinlaw fits that perfectly. Last pick before the break, another edge rusher, 16, the Atlanta Falcons. They need speed. They value character guys if they keep this pick. I think Caleb on Chason is an easy target for them. He played in their stadium a couple times this year. LSU did. I think Chason can be what they really hoped Vic Beasley would become and what he flashed being that second year. Opposite Tack McKinley, Chaseon is going to give you a full day's work to handle with his speed. Now, I know he needs to round out his game a little bit more. I think he is doing that now. I'm excited to see what he looks like in a week in Indianapolis because I'm a huge believer in the upside of Chason.
2: I'm with you on that. I I just think the traits for him, he's loaded up with traits. And when you hear all the good things about his character, it makes you believe that he could reach his potential at the next level. And, I mean, I'll tell you one guy, Matt, that I completely missed on, and Chason's not him, but you talk about someone with a lack of production but great traits coming out of the same program, Daniil Hunter. Was that guy.
0: Yep. We all missed on that one, man. That that one still hurts. Sorry, let's take a break. When we come back, uh, we're putting Connor on the clock with the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys have a lot of hard decisions to make, as does our guy Connor Rogers. What is the pick for Dallas at 17?
2: Man, no Kinlaw, no Derrick Brown on the board. I think the drop to the next D-line is Ross Blacklock, and I'm not going to go there at 17, Matt. So I'm going to give them the best safety. That is Xavier McKinney here. This is someone that could solidify the back end of the Dallas defense. I like what he does in coverage more than I even expected. I've seen him come downhill. I've seen him really close so well in pursuit, but I think he's very good in coverage too. McKinney's a do-it-all safety here that would it would solve a lot of problems for this Dallas defense, especially if they lose Byron Jones. They're gonna need more help there on the back end. That secondary it's kind of amazing. It's just not
0: as good as we think it is. You know, like when you think about Dallas, like, yeah, defense is actually pretty good. Secondary, uh, maybe not so much. Number 18, the Miami Dolphins. They got Tua at number five. I want to remind everybody of that. Here, I'm going to go left tackle Josh Jones. This has been a popular pick for us, and it is what I would do. I like Josh Jones's upside. I don't know that he's going to be a great day one starting left tackle in the NFL. What I saw from Monday to Saturday in Mobile, Alabama at the Senior Bowl was really impressive for me. Just the the growth that he showed. He's coachable. He's smart. He's very athletic. So I think Josh Jones, we've talked a lot about, oh, like we got the top four tackles in this class. Jones deserves round one talk, and I, I think he's going to slot in here in the teens in, in the 2020
2: draft. Yeah, I think so, too. I don't think it falls going to be very far for him. 19, the Raiders are back on the clock, and they got a great player in CeeDee Lamb, thanks to you, Matt, at 12, over, 12 overall. Now at 19, I'm going to go, we do the wide receiver linebacker 2 for Oakland for Las it Vegas. It makes too much sense. Every single time, but I feel good about it, because every time we do it, the fans seem pretty happy, and we've had our ups and downs with Raider fans, so I'd like to stay on the good side and i'm going to go patrick queen here from lsu (laughs) kenneth murray patrick queen take one of them at 19 i'm the flavor of the week this time is queen i love what he can do in coverage and i think that's something that'll really really help the raiders defense his speed is just so noticeable on the football field whether it is against the outside run or whether it is running with tight ends and running backs
0: i think this is Probably the easiest pick of the second half of round one is Patrick Queen to the Raiders. He fits exactly what they need. 20, the Jags. Now, earlier you gave them Isaiah Simmons, one of the best players in the class. I'm going to stay on the defensive side. I think we could go receiver here. You could probably go offensive tackle, but C.J. Henderson is available. He is my number 11, 12, number 12 overall player in this year's class. We've talked about it a million times. Jalen Ramsey's gone. You need a corner. I love C.J. Henderson. 6'1", 200 pounds. He's all the things we always tell. No, he's not a great tackler, but he is very physical in his coverage. He's twitchy. He's instinctive. I think, For some reason, this corner class is kind of being forgotten about. I think because, you know, it's a great receiver year. We've talked a lot about tackles and quarterbacks. It's a really good corner class. C.J. Henderson definitely, in my opinion, belongs here at 20 overall.
2: 21, the Eagles. I know they'd like some speed at wide receiver. I'm going to go with T. Higgins, who's not the fastest guy in this class, but you see him win over the top. You see him win at the catch point. He does really good things after the catch. He's a tough runner. They need more talent at wide receiver for Carson Wentz, Matt. I mean, you can't just have Greg Ward out there every single week. Right? I mean, come on now. Let's be real here. I love right. their tight end offense. They have some really good players at running back, but they need a go-to target at wide receiver. And T's and kind of that do-it-all guy where we've seen him win deep, but once again, we've also seen him take over as a possession guy. And when he's on, he's a touchdown machine in the red zone.
0: I would have drafted him here with the Buffalo Bills pick if you had not. So this is a really good value for T. Higgins to go here. 22 the Bills. They obviously need a receiver. If T. Higgins isn't available, I think they have to go speed. And that's where a guy we really wanted to see, Brandon Ayuk at the Senior Bowl. He was injured. Wasn't there. I think he's going to put on a show at the Combine and put himself into this top 25, top 30 pick range. Every every scout I've talked to says he's better than Nikhil Harry, and Nikhil went 32nd. So stands to reason he's probably going to go higher than that. When I watch Ayuk, he reminds me of Sammy Watkins at Clemson. Not so much Sammy in the NFL where injuries have been an issue, but just that dynamic ability after the catch. I like Ayuk. I think especially in this offense, they need somebody who can be a little bit of a route runner, but is just explosive. This offense is kind of slow I think I changes that immediately.
2: Yeah, he does. Just get the ball in his hands. I mean, every time he has the ball in his hands, he does something crazy after the catch. So for the Bills, I mean, we saw John Brown have a really nice season there. We saw Cole Beasley do some nice things. Devin Singletary, obviously, knocks at tight end. They got some really young players that can make things happen. But Ayuk seems to be one of those missing pieces that would really help there. 23, the New England Patriots, the Patriots. Speaking of a need, a a missing piece... (laughs) Tight end is one for New England right now, and I'm going to go with Cole Komet from Notre Dame. I don't think he's gronk. Let's not get crazy. It's always tough being the guy after the guy, but with Komet, he is a big-body target up the seam in the red zone. I thought he blocked really, really well. We talked about him with Brian Kelly, and Brian Kelly was – you know. Uh, giving praise on how much value there is to an inline guy and NFL teams view commit as a reliable inline guy. So I think for new England here, this is kind of one of those no brainer match made in heaven scenario. They could probably even trade out of this pick, mat back a little bit and still get their guy and commit. I think so too. If he's their guy,
0: that's definitely an intriguing way to go. I would wonder with Jordan love and Jacob Easton on the board, how much they would consider a quarterback here. Everyone tells everyone will say they love Jarrett Stidham. Wonder how much they love him. I, I think that would be interesting here. Number 24, the New Orleans Saints. I'm going to draft Jordan Love here. Part of the mythology of Patrick Mahomes was that the Saints were going to draft him. The Chiefs had to get ahead of them. And Sean Payton has has said this. He said, yeah, we were going to draft him. They have not really taken a quarterback since then. Teddy's a free agent. Drew Bree's is a free agent. And even if he's back, he's going to retire very soon. Taysom Hill's a restricted free agent. For all the talk about Taysom, he's 30 years old. He's thrown 13 passes. It's not in the a NFL. starting quarterback. I'm, I'm just not buying it. I'm just not buying it. I mean, if Jordan Love's available, I think this is a great pick for them because he doesn't have to come in a play right away. He can play behind Drew Brees for a year, learn the ropes, learn the system, and you have a quarterback with exceptional traits: big arm, very, very mobile. And everyone I've talked to has said Jordan Love's a pretty smart guy. He's not going to have the troubles of coming in and learning an offense. I think this is the better fit for him than going somewhere like Indy where he might have to play right away, or Tampa where he's going to have to play right away. I think falling a little bit in the draft would be the best thing possible for Jordan Love where he's going to be surrounded by a really damn good team in a year if this is where he ends up.
2: I'm with you. This would be a really ideal scenario for him. I I do think gut feeling... And that's why it happens every time we do the mock drafts of what we hear or think will happen versus what we would do. Love will go earlier than this. But for him and the Saints, that's a pretty good match there. 25, the Minnesota Vikings. I'm taking Jeff Gladney here. He's my number two corner in this class. I think he's got great speed. He's a little light, but great speed. He's feisty in coverage, he's sticky in coverage. Gladney is someone that could fit that Minnesota defense. It's over with Xavier Rhodes, and they're lucky that a player <laughs> of Gladney's caliber falls all the way to 25 in this spot.
0: Yeah, Gladney. Again, the corners are getting forgotten in this class. I don't know why, because I love Gladney, and I, I love C.J. Henderson, and and we're going to talk about a couple other guys. This corner class is really good. Um, we should just start that movement. Like, hey, corner, corner class is good, guys. It's you, okay to
2: be excited. You know what's funny, Matt? I was talking with someone last night, And I, because I was doing a podcast, it was a Ravens podcast, and I brought up Gladney, and they were like, and we were at this game, actually. They were like, oh, do you remember when Gladney shut down Hakeem Butler? And I was laughing because I was like, yeah, Matt and I, and and Mello and Dalton, we were at that game. Yeah. And at the time, we were sitting there saying, well, this is everyone's favorite wide receiver, and he did nothing. And it's like, oh, the guy across from him was really, really good. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it was funny because was like, I think Hakeem Butler's slow. You know, it's like he can't get away from this guy. Uh, he was slow, but also <laughs> uh, Jeff Gladney was, was really, really good that day. Hakeem hey, Butler's not that slow. I mean, he, he didn't. We've seen worse, but yeah, you're right. We were at that game. The, the game that we really thought David Montgomery would, would kind of take over. So uh, it was Jeff Gladney. That was a great day.
2: Uh, Mello almost died the that The first game. tailgate tour Ever, if I'm correct. Oh, the one after Austin. Yeah, second First one. First so tailgate early. I've ever been too.
0: It's like three people were at that one. It was a great day. Number 26, <laughs> the Miami Dolphins on the board against. We've got Tua and Josh Jones. I'm going to go running back here. I know Dolphins fans hate it. I'll get tweets about this where people will be like, why do you keep doing this? Ryan Fitzpatrick led your team in rushing. That's why I keep doing this. You need a running back. There is no one on that roster who I believe could be a starting running back in the NFL. DeAndre Swift... For all the love that there is out there for McCaffrey and Kamara and Saquon and guys who can do it all, this is that guy. Yes. He can do it all. Just fall in love with him. It's okay. It's okay to like a running back, especially late first round. You're going to have five to seven years of really good running back play, and then you you move on. It's fine. It, Kalen Balaj is not the guy. Y'all need to get over this belief that he's the guy. Miles Gaskin is not the guy. DeAndre Swift solves your problem in one pick of your thirteen selections. One pick, your run game has changed. So just lean into it, Dolphins fans. Yeah, Kalen Balaj averaged one point eight yards a carry last year. So I that one fucking game where he had seven <laughs> touchdowns and like eight yards rushing. Wasn't it against Texas? Changed Tech it, or probably was. It, I, it was a shootout. It was yeah.
2: someone really bad. Uh, I'll say this: DeAndre Swift is my eleventh overall player. So I don't care that he's a running back. Taking right. him at 26, I'm okay with because, like you said, Matt, he's got the McCaffrey molds where he'll catch 50 passes, he'll run for a million yards, and he could change your entire offense. 27, the Seattle it was against Seahawks. Texas Tech, by the way. Uh, you were right, Texas Tech. This guy <laughs> fell pretty far, but this is the, great, the right landing spot for him. It's A.J. Epinesa over yep. here. Epinesa is a very athletic, big-bodied player in the molds of what Seattle likes. He's a very good edge setter. He's a pretty good pass rusher, but he's a raw pass rusher. And that's why in our draft here, he falls to 27. I think the league will like him more than Matt and I do, and he'll go higher than this. But this is the right landing spot. And for a team that could lose Jadeveon Clowney in free agency, and I know they used draft capital on the edge and LJ Collier in the first round last season, I did not like that pick. I would like this one a lot more.
0: LJ Collier's not good, and I think they know that. And yeah. Puna's our guy. Uh Jeron Reed has been suspended and is a free agent. Epinesa gives you a ton of versatility up front if you go this route. Number twenty eight, the Baltimore Ravens. I was eyeing this hoping you had forgotten Epinesa and I was gonna I draft him at twenty eight. Cause I had perfect replacement for Matt Judon. Instead, I'm going to go middle linebacker. CJ Mosley is a jet now. I think they did miss him this year more than it seemed, especially once the playoffs got here. Kenneth Murray, plug and play in this defense. A uh, dude who we've been watching for two years and he just, he gets better every time you watch him. I thought 2019 he was more explosive. He was quicker in his diagnosing of offenses. He played better outside the hashes. I really like Kenneth Murray. I know that everybody's like Patrick Queen's the bell to ball right now. Patrick Queen's a hell of a linebacker. Let's not forget about Kenneth Murray because he's really, really good as well.
2: Yeah, I love Kenneth Murray. I, I told you, I've been torn. I took Kenneth Murray to the Raiders in our last mock this week went Patrick Queen. i probably just flip them back and forth until we get to the draft. So you don't have to listen anymore, <laughs> the Raiders it. fans. I- I'm just kidding. Please do. It pays the bills. 29, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, this is the first time I've had him here. I, I thought about going running back, but I'm just going to wait till we see the Derrick Henry situation unfold. I'm going with Cesar Ruiz from Michigan, and what I like about him is that he can be a phenomenal guard at six four three twenty, the way he moves. But we know he played center at Michigan, so you're taking an interior offensive lineman, and the Titans have a clear identity of that they want to punch you in the face, run the football down your throat, and Ruiz is the guy you draft if you want to do that for the long-term future. I will always recommend loading up on offensive line for teams that have their quarterbacks throw the ball 7 to 10 times a game.
0: Yeah, and I mean Roger Saffolds kind of an older dude, Nate Davis did not have a great year. I think right tackle is going to be very, very key for them because Jack Conklin, who was their best it's lineman a this agent. year, is free agent. So we got to kind of wait and see. There's not a right tackle here um, that you would draft either. So they they fall in a, a weird spot. Number 30, the Green Bay Packers, Justin Jefferson, I think is tailor made for this offense. We've talked often about. You have Devonte Adams. You got Alan Lazard. Let's get another guy in there. Jeff Jefferson could play in the slot. He could play outside. You move all around your formation. He's coming out of a pro style system. He is ready to rock and roll. And he's going to give you some big playability that I think the other two receivers don't. We've talked about maybe tight end here, maybe middle linebacker. Jefferson's value at 30 is incredible to me. He, so he's this is another easy pick.
2: Oh, a no-brainer. I think Packers fans would be jumping with joy if they got Justin Jefferson. This is usually the time of the draft, Matt, where we've gone LaVisca Chennault, Gabe Davis, KJ Hamler, Donovan Peoples Jones, and instead they get a much better player in Justin Jefferson there at 30, or at least a safer wide receiver, which is what I think this team needs. 31, the 49ers. Welcome to the first round, Antoine Winfield. I don't, I want to make this clear. Oh. I don't think he'll be a first round pick, and that's because he got hurt in back to back years in 17 and 18. I don't think he'll be an elite athlete at all for his size at the combine. But holy shit, is this guy a football player? And the 49ers know a little bit about this kind of football player because they just lost in the Super Bowl to one in the Honey Badger. And that's really what Winfield reminds me of. At 5'9", probably 200 pounds, 195, he can play cover two, he can play single high. Once again, I've said it before, I've seen him drop down to the slot. He plays in the box. Some of the best instincts I have seen of any player in this class. He can blitz, he's got great hands. If Winfield medically checks out, that is a big one. Medically checks out, he is a no-brainer top 50 player in this class and the Niners need somebody on the back end that is a jack-of-all-trades safety.
0: Yeah, Jimmy Ward's a free agent, so he would fit in perfectly. I so I my notes on Winfield, I pulled him up. I mean, I I compare. I said, Honey Badger, Quandre Diggs, just an exceptional football player. You're right. The injury history is huge for him, though, and, and that's the difference for me. I have him ranked as like a fringe one, two, but injury history could bottom that out completely. So I think he is a really intriguing guy as a Niners fan. If he's healthy, please sign me up for that all day. Even in that defense, over Grant Delpit, over Kyle Duggar, I think he he fits more what they would need. Number 32, the Kansas City Chiefs. I would love to trade this pick, but like you said, we're not doing that yet. Corner is the biggest need for them. and Unless they go get a Chris Harris or Darius Slay, it will be headed into the offseason where you have two guys under contract, Javarius Ward, Rashad Fenton. Jalen Johnson's going to give you some size. He's going to give you some physicality. We're going to talk to Zach Moss, his running back, about this. But that defense was amazing. And I think things at times we looked at other players, like Julian Blackman, Bradley and I. When I got done with my tape study of Utah, Johnson was my favorite prospect from that program, which is going to have a lot of dudes drafted. So Jalen Johnson here, maybe a tiny bit of a reach, but such a great need for the Chiefs that... With, with Gladney gone and off the board, it's like Jalen Johnson, A.J. Terrell, Christian Fulton. And yeah, I have Johnson over Fulton now, by the way. I don't know if I, I've mentioned that no, in the I podcast or I haven't heard that, that from you yet. Fulton's injuries bother me. And I think, uh, I actually texted this to an area scout. I said, if I could combine Greedy Williams and Christian Fulton, I would have a corner that I really liked. Because I like Fulton the person. Character's great. Leader. He's tough. The play really dropped off for me, especially late this year. I know he was battling some injury with the ankle, but that in itself is an issue for me. And I I think Fulton is going to struggle a little bit to run in man coverage. So if he was going to go to his own team, he's probably going to be okay. But I think Jalen Johnson gives you a little bit more juice in man
2: coverage, and he's A little bit better at the line of scrimmage as well. I think the scheme fit point you bring up is a a really important one that gets lost a lot in times when we do these mock drafts, and and not even just us, but in general, uh, of how vital it is. You might have a player that you think is five to six spots higher on the board as a talent, but if he doesn't fit your scheme, how valuable is he to your program? And, And for Jalen Johnson, the value for him will be so high because of his length, because of the style he plays. Uh, he, I mean, no one is Jeff Okuda, but if you're looking in the mold of a player that has the kind of length that's more of the bargain version in you know early round two, like you said here, Matt, maybe a little bit of a reach, but early round two kind of range, uh, Jalen Johnson is going to have a lot of fans in the NFL.
0: Absolutely is. And as we're closing the show, we're recording Tuesday morning. Drew Brees just announced he's coming back for 2020.
2: Oh, Sorry, so. Taysom Hill.
0: Right, those Saints' offseason plan is going to be really, really interesting. We are excited to be joined by one of the best running backs in the 2020 draft class, Mister Zach Moss from the Utah Utes. Zach, congrats on an amazing career—not just a great 2019 season, but coming back off the knee injury, uh, you had a dominant year this year.
2: 17 touchdowns, dude! Thanks for coming on with us.
1: Thank you, man. Thanks for having. Me.
2: Zach, now you have the highest broken tackle rate in this running back class per PFF, and we hear all these names, whether it's Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, but that to me is one of the most impressive stats that we've seen as we go through this draft class. I love your running style. Is there anyone that you model your game after?
1: Um, You know, I grew up watching, uh, you know, Marshawn Lynch, um, you know, Bo Jackson, you know, those tough, gritty running guys that, you know, didn't like to go down at first contact. So, you know, those are the guys that, uh you know, I just, you know, got used to watching so much and kind of just implement that into my game.
0: Now, Zach, one thing that, that, we, that we're seeing a lot of NFL teams really focus on more uh, with the running back position is being able to catch the ball out of the backfield. And that's something you did uh, really well in 2017, your sophomore season, and, and this past year, your senior year. Obviously, that junior year, you got cut short a little bit by injury. But is that something as you start to go through this process where you're, you're trying to explain to teams, like, hey, I, I can catch the ball. And you're going to be able, you have a chance uh, in about a week in Indianapolis to show that off.
1: Yeah, you know, um... Like catching the ball has always been, um, you know, pretty natural um, for me. You know, uh, you know, I grew up playing on seven-on-seven on seven leagues. You know, um, you know, being a running back, being the only running back, catching the ball. Um, so, you know, it's always been pretty natural to me. But, like you said, yeah, like you know, the offense has allowed me to, you know, have some pretty good receiving uh, receptions and receiving yards. through some of my years at Utah.
2: I know you had the 2018 season cut short and then you come back this year and you're Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year, first team all-conference. Just what was that rehab like and and that adversity, you know, making that kind of comeback and finishing off your college career with that kind of season?
1: You know, I couldn't have scripted it any better. You know, I didn't know what to expect coming in. You know, coming off of a knee injury being my first significant uh, injury um, of my career. Um, You know, but... You know, I just continued to work each and every day. You know, the the knee injury and the rehab for it was so, it was so long, it felt, you know, and it was so gruesome just going through that, you know, just the rehab and just, you know, not being able to move and things like that. But, you know, I just kept my head down and kept working and, you know, things paid off in a way that I couldn't even imagine at the beginning of that year. Zach, we were just
0: at the the Senior Bowl. Uh, well, I guess, I guess it's been a little bit now. But one thing that surprised us a little bit was that you uh, opted not to. You were invited, so you're one of the top players in the class, without a doubt. But you opted not to participate in the Senior Bowl this year. What all went into that decision for you?
1: Um, You know, just me and my team decided that we wanted to, um, you know, coming off a very long season, just wanted to make sure that we were um, you know, just maximizing all of our time, training, um, getting ready for this uh, combine this upcoming week. Um, you know, that's where our focus was. You know, the bowl is a great game and things like that. Um, you know, but just coming off a long season, you know, I played in our, scene and, uh, our bowl game, which was very late in the year um, for us. Um, so just wanted to make sure we were ready to go for this uh, combine, really.
2: What's your day to day like right now as you get ready for the combine in a couple of weeks here?
1: Um, yes, you know, to, over the last month it's just been every single day, Monday through Saturday, um, about nine to three, just, you know, in the weight rooms, in the uh, you know, rehab facilities and uh, on the fields in the uh of the second half of the day. So, you know, it's it's a non stop go. Um, you know, it's it's a grind over here for sure
0: a lot of guys go into this and they're focused on, you know, adding weight, cutting weight, or, you know, you're hyper-focused on your 40. Has it been that way for you where, you know, you're, you're working with your trainers to really hone in on one thing, or is it just about overall balance to your, you know, your health, your the drills you're going to do and everything that goes into that?
1: Um, you know, for me, it is one thing. It's, you know, my 40 is going to be the biggest thing for me. You know, that's one thing that I've been harping on the most. Um, you know, just trying to make sure that I'm ready to go for that. Um, but, you know, we've definitely just been fine tuning everything. You know, we've been doing all the drills, uh, you know, on the board, uh, you know, learning how to do the meetings and things like that. So it's definitely been uh, doing hitting everything. But, you know, for me, it's definitely been just the 40 has been my main focus.
2: One thing we were a little surprised about on this show was that your teammate, Tyler Huntley, did not get a combine invite. We felt like he had, obviously, a great season. You guys had an incredible offense and defense. Do you think he could play quarterback at the next level? And just what was it like playing with him this last couple of
1: years? Uh, you know, me and Tyler have played the last five years together, going back into our senior year high school. Wow. Um, and it was, you know, honestly – the best you know, guy I've played with up until this part of my career at quarterback. You know, it's just been fun being able to play with a guy that causes so much havoc for defense. Um, you know, and it makes my life a lot easier as a running back when you have another person back like there with you that can also run the ball. Um, so it keeps the defense off off edge and things like that. But, um, but yeah, it was definitely surprising that he didn't um, get a combine invite, you know, no matter if he – I believe he can play quarterback at the next level. Um, no matter if he can play or not, it was surprising that he didn't get a combine invite because of the numbers that he had this year, um, the Heisman hype that he was getting. Um, you know, he had the yeah, all the numbers up there um, just with Joe Burrow and the rest of those guys. So it was kind of um, surprising that he really didn't get one this year.
0: When you see him, because like you said, I mean, you've known this guy forever and you have a, a great look. I don't know how much NFL you watch, but was there ever a time you're watching Tyler and you're like, "This is Lamar Jackson that I'm lining up behind"? Just some of the plays that he makes this year, and and even the body style, the, it's it's easy to see a little bit of Lamar in his game.
1: Yeah, um, you know, and he him and Lamar actually played against each other in high school, I think once or twice. Um, but he definitely has the athletic build um, similar to Lamar. Um, I think Lamar's a little bit more you know, compact and, you know, a little bit more beefier and things like that. But, uh, you know, just the way he runs and the relentless effort he has is definitely sim- similar to Lamar. Um, but he definitely has some good traits.
2: Speaking of high school, what was it like going
1: from Florida
2: to Utah? <laughs>
1: um, It was, you know, definitely a culture cold. shock. <laughs> yeah, cold, yeah, <laughs> um, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was definitely it was definitely cold, no doubt um but you know it was it was exactly what i I needed you know it was um it was good for me you know to go out there and you know learn and mature by myself um you know and see things see a different part of life that is you know totally the opposite of what um I was accustomed to you know, getting out of my comfort zone um you know just playing football in a different part of the world. Um, was just lovely, you know, in those last four years at Utah was really good to me.
0: Zach, would you have ever thought, because you were originally committed to play at the University of Miami, four um, years ago, would you have ever thought that Utah would be unquestionably a better program than the U?
1: No. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I can't <laughs> say that. Um, you, know, just, you know, just from the talent level that the University of Miami brings in each and every year, you know, and that kinda of goes you know, they still have a lot of talent and they get a lot of guys and a lot of top recruits and things like that. Um, you know, I just don't believe they found the right coaching yet, um in that whole system and how that thing is gonna play out. But uh, you know, you know, Utah's had the same head coach for a while, coach Coach Winningham and things like that, the same staff around. Um, you know, and they're trending up and getting talent, you know, as we've had a lot of good seasons over the past years. Um, You know, guys starting to notice, and you know, want to take leaps out to Utah, no matter where you're from. So, you know, I think it's one going to continue to get better for them.
2: We talked a lot about how explosive the offense was with you, obviously Tyler Huntley. But what was it like practicing against that defense every day? I mean, every single time we look at this defense, just feels like more and more guys come out of there that are going to get drafted, especially this year where we're expecting at least five of them to get drafted. How how much did that prepare you each week?
1: I mean, it was lovely. You know, Utah, um, definitely over the years I was there, we've always had, you know, definitely just in the pack, um, at least the top three defense each and every year. Um, but this year was, you know, totally different. It was, we probably had the best defense in every category. They um, we were t- definitely top three around the nation. Um, so, you know, when we had to go against that defense and, you know, it was definitely getting us better. Um, each and every week you know and I think that was a good reason um, why we had the season that we had you know those guys kept us on our toes and we definitely you know try to do our best to keep them you know as sharp as they possibly could
0: and and there's so much talent out there it's crazy was the hardest hit you took in your four years of Utah, was it in practice or was it in a game? Because I imagine uh, just not even just guys who were there this year, but what you've seen during your time there at Utah. I mean, there's been some amazing defensive players.
1: Um, my hardest hit, uh, you know, they kept me away from getting hit from those guys. Um, in <laughs> good, practice. good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> kept me away from getting hit too much in practice from those guys. But, uh, you know, my hardest hit definitely came. Um, from Arizona State uh, this year I mean this past year, my senior year um, we played them at home, you know, and I got a hit uh, directly to the head, targeting hit um, from kind of like a blind side Zach, well,
2: thank you so much, man we're excited to watch you at the Combine and rooting for you this year in the draft and we just want to wish you the best of luck going forward
1: Thank you, man, I appreciate it very much Alright, right, have, have a good one, one Zach, one. thank All you right. you too